I'm glad that we're talking about this because it's reminding me about that sense of community and that there are so many wonderful people here that care, that are doing what everything they can, you know, and that's what I need to focus on. You're listening to Find the Good News, Episode 85, The Growing Voice, featuring Dominic Darbone of the Flamethrowers. Find the Good News is produced by Parker Brand Creative Services, a branding agency that thinks sideways, pushes forward, and gets your brand up. See what else we do at parkerbrandup.com. Since starting this Good News Podcast Signal, it's been my great pleasure to meet people from my region that I may not have met otherwise. The truth is that this transmission has allowed me to do much more than simply meet them. I've gotten to know them in some very deep and personal ways. More often than not, when I finish one of these visits, I leave the conversation feeling like I've gained a new friend. Other times, it goes beyond friendship and expands into the category of alliance. In talking with Dominic Darbone, I gained a friend and an ally. My local listeners may know Dominic as the singer for the on-fire band, The Flamethrowers, but like each of us, her story goes so much deeper than her vocal vibrations. I feel that I had this conversation with Dominic at a very peculiar time in her life. It was clear from our visit that there is a rising passion inside of her to use her voice beyond the local stage, even away from song, to bring attention to local injustices that affect her community and champion for those underdogs that are working tirelessly to make this region more civil and healthy. She reminds me yet again that it is important to use right speech and right action when you're on your path to waking up. Beyond that, know who your allies are and bring them together to speak as one voice as often as you can. That, dear friends, is a community worth speaking out for. So perk up, maybe steep some tea and enjoy some green and open space in your hometown. Think about how the world is changing, how it's changing you, and how you can put your reflections and your voice to work for those around you. Then press play on a little good news. Wake up, it's morning. You're dreaming up a story I can hear. The way it's going, cause you're laughing in your sleep. On the path to your deliverance and a holy wall of light. Old news, bad news, fake news. Sometimes you just want to shut it all down and get no news at all. With Find the Good News, I aim to change that by focusing on good people doing good work. I visit with artists, educators, civic and spiritual leaders, musicians, business owners, students, volunteers, and everyday citizens who are using their creativity, resources, and talents to bring hope and happiness to their corner of the world. In each episode, I dig into the hearts and minds of my extraordinary guests. We have street-level conversations about relatable things going on in their lives, discover the critical life experiences that shape them, the perspectives that drive them, and the fundamental beliefs that are anchoring them to a path of goodness. There's a lot of news in the world. My name is Orrin Parker, and I'm going to find the good. I love you just as well. What I think fascinating is how often I find my story connects or, or is entangled with somebody else's. Even if we haven't really encountered each other, there's some little piece of what they're talking about that 
you can either relate to, oh, or right. sometimes you find you have an actual thread somewhere in the world that's connecting you to them, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, especially lately, like as an adult in the last, honestly, two years of my life really or three since my kids have been born. Um, just these people that I had good friendships with at one point in time and nothing really happened. We just, sure. You know, life got in the way. And in the last few years, they've been coming back into my life in these like really major ways in my personal stories, they're being represented and I'm being represented in major ways in their personal stories. And it's just, just really cool. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. We've jumped right in and that's how it goes on this show. We don't, we don't do, like I said, no hard opening, but I, I do like to ask folks to give me the elevator sure. speech, you know, of who they are. So the audience knows oh. who I'm talking to. Okay. The elevator speech of who I am. Well, my name is Dominique Starbone and I am born and raised in Lake Charles. Um, I went to Hamilton Christian Academy for my entire schooling career except for one year that I was homeschooled. <laughs> and uh, then I did some time at McNeese, but I am not um, a higher education person. It's just not for me. So anyway, I have lived away briefly, but mostly I've lived here my whole life. My husband, Joseph Darbone, is a local as well. Um, and we are, my family business is Don's Car Wash, so people oh, may recognize okay. Um, but I also am a member of the band Flamethrowers. Yep. And yeah, so Joseph and I are the lead singers of Flamethrowers. And we've been doing, I've been in the Flamethrowers seven years um, this spring. Wow. And which is another weird thing. Um, when I, I, was, I graduated young, I was 17. And I used to sneak into OBs as a 17 year old to watch the Flamethrowers play. And I just remember um, being there in the crowd and wondering like what it would be like. And so it's really bizarre that now I am in the flamethrowers. So wait, I guess I didn't realize that. So the flamethrowers were around before oh you God. were a member. I didn't know that. Okay. So I thought y'all formed it. I didn't realize you. Flamethrowers have been around since like 2002, I want to say. Mm. Okay. 2002 or 2003, maybe a little bit longer, but, but somewhere in there, um, uh, that might be a little early. Let's see. Okay. So Joseph is, Joseph graduated in 2002. Judd Norman started the band whenever he was in college at LSU. So okay. sometime between 2002 and 2005, Flamethrowers was started. And Joseph is an original member. So the band, he's the only original member left. So the oh, band's really? been around that long. Oh, wow. I had the no idea. Iteration. I really didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. The current iteration of the band has been around seven years. Taylor Lee and I joined the band. Taylor Lee is a dear friend of mine from middle school. He's the first boys whose hand I ever held. Oh, really? And <laughs> yeah, yeah. We went to this home church together when we were kids. Anyway, never more further than that. We we're just really good friends. And I hadn't seen Taylor in forever. And then all of a sudden, like, we're in a band together. Yeah, that is yeah. just wild, isn't it? How that, well, yeah. there you go again, entanglements, yeah. you know, that we have with people, and then it just rolls back around, sort of cyclical. Yeah. So anyway, that that is who I am, and I just I don't know. I've just always always been around town, kind of always been here. I'm a very um, I've always been very talkative and friendly, and kind of inserted myself into situations. So yeah, I understand that. 
I, I, it's funny, I'm kind of the same way. And I, I used to say that I was not, that I was more of a, not antisocial, but I would avoid social, uh, interaction, especially crowds and groups with like the plague. But I would always, even though those were things I avoided, I was always finding myself dead center of some sort of project or leadership role. And I go, why do I keep doing this? I mean, because, you know, but, but it's, I think, it, yeah. I think what I've found out is it's just a part of my nature, you know, totally. to step back and then stay away from it, but then observe it and then go back into it. Yeah. You know, you just can't help it. Yeah, yeah. I can't help it. That's right. And I, I yeah. know that about myself and I used to really frustrate about it. And now I'm aware of it. And, you know, now once you become aware, it's an opportunity to, yeah. you know, use it. Well, and I kind of go through phases where, um, before I joined the band, like, and when Joseph and I were first dating, I was much more, I used to be a lot more like flamboyant okay. than I am now. You know, when I joined the band, a lot of that, it, it, it took care of, it, it became a creative output for my personality. Right. Sure. So I didn't need to like act out in social situations anymore or be the center of attention or not that that was always intentional. Right. Like I wasn't, I, I wasn't trying, I was too much and there's nothing wrong with being too much. And I wasn't trying to be too much, but it gave me a healthy for my too much. It gave me a place for me to like take my, my creativity and the parts of myself that I wanted to experiment with socially. And it gave me like a safe, creative outlet for it you yeah. know no i, I get Where it people totally wouldn't, people wouldn't judge me because it's just a performance right like we joseph and i kind of have well i won't get into that maybe later <laughs> but just, um yeah it just it, it it changed my personality a little bit because it gave or i got not changed it it allowed me to relax into myself a little bit more because it gave me a productive outlet for some of the parts of myself that people really didn't get in a basic social setting. I understand. Absolutely. I couldn't have said your words could have come out of my own mouth. What you just said. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can compare that to just us sitting here on this podcast. You know, I, for, for years, I mean, podcasts have been around a long time and, but I'm, I'm sort of new to that world only in the last few years. And it was kind of by accident that I discovered a conversation that I just got sucked into through a podcast. And so (laughs) I I realized in listening to that conversation that they were getting into territory that I really appreciated. But I I noticed that in other avenues or other arenas, that's the right thing to say, that they weren't getting into that territory. And I was like, okay, there's something about the podcast that really attracted me. And it's, then, then that's where I would connect with what you just said. Now I've found an outlet where I can explore all these other dimensions, but it's still utilizing um, skills that I've acquired that weren't allowing me to explore those dimensions. Does that make, does that make sense? Yeah, totally. It's like, I, I'm not, there, there are certain gifts that I have with people or or that I'm able to use like in communicating with people that were outshadowed by my need to perform in some way and need to have attention in some way. And now that I have that safe outlet, it allows me to just like be able to not always, I mean, I still am a ham and sometimes I still, (laughs) you know, 
me to cut up, but like it allows me to really be present more than it used to be. You know? So, and in going through that, I did go through a phase where I thought before I had my children, um, for a little while where I thought like I was antisocial, I did not want to be, you know, sure. I didn't really want to be around people. I very much cocooned. I went through a depression for a couple of years. Um, and then after my kids, especially Hazel were born, I really had started to realize like a lot of my strength comes from my community and mm. from the energy that I get from exchanging ideas with people. And, and even, I mean, I was very team, no new friends for a few minutes. So I didn't have time for new friends. I barely had time, you know, for myself, but now I'm like, I'm just realizing that it is important for me to have boundaries. It is important for me to take care of myself. Not everybody is owed my time, but when I share myself with others, yeah, the right others, the benefits outweigh, you know, the strain that it takes for me. Yeah. That, so no, it does make sense. I completely understand I, that as well. I really do. And I was just literally like days before all of this, I was just getting to a place of like really entering back into being social. And like, I was working on a, a musical project and working with other musicians and like making new friends. And, you know, the kids have gotten, have gotten to a place where they could both stay with my in-laws and my mom and dad for a night and like we could you know i could go listen to any music and stuff so yeah yeah (laughs) yeah i understand all of that i um yeah i i especially when you've been away from being social for a little while and you make a conscious decision to get back into it it's really a different experience and you know the world is world changes around you yes. when you're yeah. when you're cocooning and things like that and you're going because i've been there i mean many times in fact i would say i probably go through those cycles every few years where okay i hit a point where i'm like okay i kind of need to pull back yeah. you know and and heal a little bit not that I'm some completely wounded, but I need to pull back in no. just a little bit and heal before I go back out and start really pushing again. But we do live in strange times, and I found that I hit that cycle where I want to be a little more social through the avenues I'm okay with. But, boy, it's danger, more dangerous out there. Uh, but on the flip side, I've also made connections that are more robust in a good way, you know? Well— And like you're saying, the world changes around you. Like when I kind of cocooned Lake Charles, for me personally, I was just not really, I saw from like the band and our, I'm not talking bad about Lake Charles anyway. They're just, I didn't feel like aside from the band, I really had a place in the community. Mm. You know, I really, I wasn't really working at the car wash and I wasn't really doing anything. Joseph gave me a little bit of time off from having a real job other than the flamethrowers for a few months before we decided to have kids just because I were, I didn't go to college. I worked, you know, and I, um, or I did, but I was working. And then when I stopped going to college, I just went straight into working. And anyway, he just gave me like a little, like a summer, he gave me like an extended summer and it was awesome. And, um, yeah, when that was over, I just, I don't know. Something was, it it was weird. And after I had Bo, like he was everything. So I just, he became my place and then things changed. And when I kind of came out again after Hazel and was ready 
to be back. I was meeting all these wonderful people and there's just so much amazing stuff going on in our artist community, in our, our music community. And it was just like, I was feeling such a sense of pride in, in, in what had happened while I was gone. And I was also learning that I had a place in all of that, even though I hadn't really been able to be, be a very active participant. And it was just, I realized I had a career, mm. you know, and I realized that I was a part of this greater community of all these people that I loved and respected and had for years. And, and they felt the same way about me. And, and um, it was awesome. And then this happens and like, I've really been struggling with our community. I think a lot of people have. I think there's a lot of disappointment and hurt feelings. I hate being emotional about this crap. I'm so tired okay. about it. You okay. know what I mean? Like, like I felt like before this, like there were a lot of things that our particular area was really united on, and and it felt good. And that was just my bubble. I know that there have always, you sure. know, been problems, but it's just I've been really. I need to remind myself. I'm, I'm glad that we're talking about this because it's reminding me about that sense of community and that there are so many wonderful people here that care, that are doing what everything they can, you know, and, and that's what I need to focus on. It's tough. Look, I mean, the, I sometimes fall into this this trap, and I almost have set myself up to get sideswiped um, by naming this show "Find the Good News," right? Because there's this. <laughs> There's this sort of uh, implication that we're going to talk about everything positive, right? We're going to talk about all the perfect things and all the perfect people. The reality is that that's actually sort of the trick of this show. I, I fully believe that you can't get to a lasting goodness without going to the ugly places. I really do believe that. 100%. 100%. You can get to a temporary good. Yeah, but you're not going to get to anything that lasts. I don't. I do tend to think that sometimes, and you said it, the bubble. We can live in a bubble and go, "Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. It's great here." Well, it's great maybe from certain people's perspectives, depending on what's all lined up in their life. But it's so easy to forget that there could be a whole other sector of the community that has a completely different perspective because of what's lined up in their life. You know. The person next door to you. Right. No, it literally, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think about that quite often. I mean, just my my street, you know, everybody's yeah. got a different Ooh. story. Everybody's got different political beliefs on one street. Everybody's got a different, uh, you know, tiers of income. I mean, it's just, yep. and you're having a different experience in a society dependent on those factors. And we have to think about that stuff. Like, I think it's yeah, so easy it's, to just disregard someone else's ideas and go, oh, that's ridiculous and just throw it out. I mean, if you're not an artist, let's say, you maybe aren't really fully or, or connected to the art scene. Just that alone, you may not really fully appreciate that. And so we can look at this, at our community and go, but it's great. We have this great art scene. Well, to somebody else that's not even on their radar. They're, right. they're just, they're, they're trying to just get by, yeah. you know, every day and just barely make it art to, to go out and shop right. for art is like completely not even they can't a reality. Get they, do. they don't get the crap about hanging right. something on their wall. And so that's yeah. the kind of stuff you do have to talk about if you're going to get to a lasting good, I think, you know, I completely so. agree. And I think one, I hate saying any, like there's a good thing about this. Cause that's not, 
true. But this situation is revealing a lot of disparities to people that were not um, willing to view them previously. I am seeing that. Sure. For sure. Yeah. And that's nice. And it's also just revealing a lot of gaps in areas where it's overwhelming to think about all of them. I mean, it keeps me up at night. Like it really does sometimes it's like, okay, what are there? What are these holes? Can I fill? Is there anything I can do in our community to fix that? Like, who do I know? But it's, it's good that that's happening yeah. because I think that's a step in really like accomplishing some change. If we don't forget, if we don't allow ourselves to fall back into complacency, just because it doesn't, directly affect our backyard. Yeah, no, totally. I totally agree. Yeah, because I mean, everybody's job is different. Some people have never, uh, during this time period, you know, they've got people who have been in this workforce. Some people are able to completely shelter in place. Some people haven't left their homes at all, you know. We really, Uh, you know. We really haven't. Really? We we have a few times, but for the most part, Joseph's been able to work from home, and I actually thought, I was exposed to the flu March 12th. Yeah. So we locked down um, because I didn't want any of our family or friends to get sick. Joseph was still going to work, but he his boss was pregnant and immunocompromised. So like we were keeping our distance from everybody. Um, and yeah, we Joseph have gone in the last few weeks. I think he's gone to the store like once or twice with a mask. We've been able to do. We had a grocery delivery service before any of this ever happened. So oh, okay. So we've been privileged enough to really stay home and we have, we, we, we have. Yeah. Because we've done the same. I mean, I mean we, I we do, do go out for the supplies, you know, I go probably yeah, once sure. every week and a half for some odds and ends, but it's never frivolous. I mean, I haven't went out for yeah. anything just like luxury wise. I mean, it's yeah. not, been, but I mean, honestly, I mean, having supplies is a luxury. Yeah, us too. We go to parks too. We go to parks and, you know, away from folks. We've been lucky in that regard that we've been to some nice green open spaces and uh, there weren't people around, you know. So two years ago, almost two years ago, we were living in a house uh, one street over from here. And I just had this like gut feeling to check Zillow for listings. And I did. And one street over, there was literally one shoot like if you stand in the front yard of my old house you can see my new house <laughs> oh really <laughs> uh, yeah and uh i i said joseph i think we need to go look at this house and we did and it was like a or it was like i manifested it and it's on a half <laughs> acre in the middle of town wow so i have i'm two streets over well i don't want to give my location <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just tell you like it when I, when I saw this house, I knew it was ours, but I didn't know why. And I was like, well, "We don't. What do we need all this space for?" Yeah. Like it, it was in our. It was in our. It wasn't a bad move. It was perfect. It was in our budget. It was everything we needed. But now, like, it's been so amazing and perfect for this time. It's been exactly what what we needed. What I would. What, what I have needed to stay sane during this without help from anybody. Yeah. You know? Just. Joseph works all day. It's just me and the kids. Yeah. From nine to five most days. And wow. we haven't been my parents keep them. So, I mean, I, which is, it's fine. It's great. They're my kids. I have them. They're nobody else's responsibility. No, I understand. Yeah. If I didn't have all of this space and a yard to landscape and mow and 
stuff like that to keep me busy, I would not be okay. Yeah. I would not. That's the same here. We've, we moved our operations home so we could work from home. I mean, I'm, I'm recording from home, you know, that's been a little different experience. I, I think I might've even talked about that in, in Ashley's episode, you know, just the, I miss the space, you know, that we had to record in. I miss the environment, uh, because it was sort of designed and to be open and inviting. And so, Honestly, it puts more pressure on me to the truth of the matter is because the space did a lot of the work. You know, when someone came to visit, the space said, you're welcome. Uh, Any ideas are open. And so I didn't have that uh, same hurdle. Now, you know, doing it this way, there is no space. The space is digital between us right now. So, you know, it falls back on me. And I, I honestly at first had a little anxiety about doing it this way. I thought, you know... Uh, I can't hide behind the environment. You know what I mean? I mean, it's all yeah. us right now. <laughs> so yeah. It always was is totally. what I've come to realize, but there was just sure. some comfort in having a, having a good space. And I mean, it kind of sounds like your home is that space. You have a good space and it's the right space. Um, how valuable is that? You know, and I'm happy. I know it. I'm helpless. Sorry for interrupting the conversation, but I have something I need to tell you about. You may or may not know this, but this podcast is produced in the city of Sulphur, Louisiana, one of the sister cities that make up Southwest Louisiana. All of my childhood memories are wrapped up in the city of Sulphur. It's my home, and it's been a good home for most of my life. There is a growing diversity of unique businesses, services, and events in Sulphur, each with a rich and colorful story to tell about their particular place in this little jewel on the west side of the Calcasieu River. My mission is to promote good news, to put a positive signal out in the world. That's why my team at Parker Brand Creative Services has created the new brand, Sulphur Today. Here's how it works. Post your Sulphur event, service, photos, videos, or information using the hashtag Sulphur Today. That's it. My team and I will scan and curate those posts through the social media platforms we've put in place. Before you make your post, just type hashtag, that's a pound sign for the folks that don't know what a hashtag is, and the words sulfur today with no space. My team at Parker Brand is monitoring this tag right now, and they're ready to create positive digital curb appeal for our city by sharing all the very best sulfur has to offer through the Sulfur Today social media pages. As the Sulfur Today project grows, we will be scheduling interviews and video sessions with businesses, events, and services so they can tell their story of Sulfur Today in a series of ongoing micro-documentaries. Look for the eye-catching Sulfur Today sign when you're out and about, and be ready. We may be stopping by to visit you for a photo op. And don't forget to stop by the Parker Brand Creative Services Studio in Sulphur to grab a Sulphur Today decal for your vehicle or business. We want people visiting our area to know that they can find all the wonderful things we have to offer with ease and be a part of our history by utilizing the Sulphur Today pages or by searching the Sulphur Today hashtag. Do you want to help us tell the story of Sulphur Today? Here's what I need you to do right now. Visit and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash sulfur today. And be sure to share positive sulfur information and post often using the hashtag sulfur today. Now, back to find the good news. I love you just as well. 
I know right now that I have an opportunity um, to be a voice and I want to make sure that I don't share any uh, particularly polarizing opinions. You know what I mean? I understand. Um, yeah, I do. My personal, some of my personal beliefs are like way farther to the left than I am, will tell the average person. But yeah. I believe that I believe that there's a way that I can not support everybody. You know what I mean? But not exclude someone and still allow them to receive my information, yeah. even if they don't agree with everything. It's so, so hard. That's an interesting subject. I don't want to derail you, but I'll, I'll, no, I'll, I'll say this. That, you know, I look back at my life and when my real big changes started to occur in my 20s, and I, I'll always go back and look at the early things that I was influenced by and the people whose writings influenced me. And some of those people are still living. And I look at like like Thich Nhat Hanh, you know, I mean, he's a very popular meditation master and writer. But when I discovered him for me, you know, 20 plus years ago, I was fascinated by the fact that he was a Vietnamese monk living in exile. And that word exile, the gravity of that never really hit me until I was really a lot older. And I I think about him quite a bit and I go, you know, it's great to read his books and he's a beautiful poet and I can learn all this stuff about compassion and mercy and peace and you you name it across that, that spectrum. But I always have to remember that he went into, he had to, he was exiled from his country because he, he stood on a side of something. Yeah, You know what I mean? And so I tend to think I I lived in a lot of years where I thought, well, peace is straddling the fence and not rocking the boat. It's saying the right thing. I don't agree with that. I'm sorry. I'm going to let you continue. I'm just going to say that is not how I feel. Yeah. I just I I tend to as I've gotten older, I've learned I'm trying to to gently like you do. I don't want to be gentle. There are you know, certain situations but, right now and in this area that are very, very polarizing, and it's possible to talk about the things that are related to that particular situation and their issues without being so abrasive that yeah. the people who need to hear it don't hear it. Right. Yeah, we're right. You that don't want to make... Sense. Yeah, no, so it's, it's true. Like, it's totally true. I get what you mean by it's that. It's not, yeah. not taking a side. It's just like... Figuring out a way to share your opinions in a way that will resonate with people and reach them, even if they don't agree with you. Yeah. Because the thing is, is like you're not going to change people's minds. Okay. What you have to do is you have to get to a point where you can find some common ground and and get them to see just a little bit from your perspective. They don't have to agree with you. They don't have to understand you. They just have to be able to see where you're coming from a little bit. And that plants a seed, right? Sure. So maybe on that particular issue, they didn't agree with you. But maybe there's something down the road that you guys don't agree on. But they, the way you spoke about it before sparks them to understand that they can reach out to you if they have a question. And it facilitates, not always, there are some times where you just have to be like, F off, you're an asshole. <laughs> right. This is not going to get anywhere. But... Um, I don't know. I just, I feel like I have a responsibility in some ways to, because I do, I do know that I don't mean to be like, this is a time where people are listening to me, but I know that there are some people that are listening and I don't, I want to be very, 
I want to use any any voice that I have for good sure. and, and for the benefit of our community. And I don't ever want. Um, I know that not everybody's going to agree with me or not everybody's going to like me, but I don't ever want anybody to be able to say that whether they agreed with me or not, that they don't believe I had our community or our greater or the greater good in mind. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, no, I get it. It's kind of like this. And I, I think this a lot. I was even meditating on this this morning or kind of reflecting on the idea that when you build something or you find out that you actually have a signal or a channel, of communication and people are tuning into that you can either burn the world down with it or you can ask yourself do i have a responsibility to my fellow man my 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 community with this signal to use it the right way i mean i'll and i'm not going to get off into politics but i can use the office of the president of the united states as that sort of thing so if you find yourself if you or i ever find ourselves in a situation where we're president in the united states we'll just talk about us instead of the actual president yeah if Orrin ever finds himself the president i have a responsibility at that point to go hey i now have a signal and a lot of people are listening to what i'm saying i need to use this for the greater good responsibly I have to do yeah. that, even if it goes against some of my personal, you know, poisons, yeah. right? Well, and the thing, another thing I'm learning, too, is like, you know what? People don't have to know everything about you. They don't have to know everything that you're thinking. Right. Like, right. I'm having such an issue with some, some local politicians right now just sharing every single thought that falls out of their head. It's like, right. I'm not telling you you can't have those ideas. I'm not telling you you can't feel that way. Right. I'm not. I was never. I'm not telling you you can't have conversations like that in your home with the people that are closest to you. I don't agree with it. I'm not going to promote it, but it's completely different to have an opinion like that as an, as a person versus get on your platform as an elected official where people are looking to you for guidance and spewing misinformation and insinuating things that are problematic and dangerous, you know, like it just, and I understand but it's, there's also the thing of like nobody knows what they're doing right now, right? And this Strange affects times. everybody so differently. And all of the quote solutions that we're coming up with so far, like there are some very serious issues attached to a lot of them. You know, like school sure. closures and uh, food insecurity for children and children living in abusive homes and and people living in situations with domestic violence. I mean, there are just yeah, there's a laundry list. Um, but the thing is, is that people are just, I don't know, they're trying to do the best they can, you know? And I think that the attitude, especially of elected officials at this time, instead of creating division, there should, people shouldn't be going on rants about how shit sucks. They should be saying, these are the resources I have. How can they help someone? Or this is what I can do. Is there anybody out there that can help me fill in a crack? And I just see people continuing to push their personal opinions and, trying to gather attention for themselves personally in this situation instead of using the signal that they have to make a difference. And yeah. I don't know, it just makes me sad. What well, it is it's sad. Making me lose it respect is. for some people, but there's still a chance to turn it around. I believe, I believe that, you know, there are some people that are still in denial. I don't think they're going to be able to stay in that. Unfortunately, um, I don't. Right. But it just, I don't know. You know, I, and I know, look, expectations are the thing that should shoot, shoot you in the foot the most, right? Expectations hurt you, but 
I have expected more of some people that, you know, yeah, I, I I have to. I've done this. I've been through that same cycle. I mean, I get up and would say at least a part of my day is 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 like that. I mean, I you know, I talk to people that are close to me who say, God, I don't even real this stuff is. I don't even know the stuff's going on. Some of these conversations yeah. and opinions, and so they're they're checked out of that. And then yeah. so when I hear that, um, I've analyzed that for myself. I go, well, how come they're able to do that? And so I realize it's really gets back to what we're talking about. It's situation. I can't not enter these information feeds because there are certain things I need to know, right? Because yeah. I'm, I'm, I have different roles. I'm a father, business owner, husband, yeah. son, brother. Uh, and I also have this signal, right? I mean, and it's a great, yeah. granted it's a personal signal, but it's out there. And I know now there actually are people who look for this signal. They want something from it. It helps them in some way. So those are my responsibilities. I have to enter the news yeah. feeds to get that. And when I get in there, I'm running into the same things you described. And I go, man, I have to sift through all of this stuff to get to the information that I can then go apply. So that, yeah. yeah. So you walk out of there and your mind has just got all this other stuff in there that is irrelevant, painful, frustrating, fearful. And so you're carrying away for me. Anyway, I carry out of those information feeds, just this stuff. And I go, man, yeah. Then I, as a citizen, I have to sit down and go, oh, before I communicate now, I need to go through and get all that my dirty stuff out of there so yeah. I can put out a good message. But I'm not yeah. seeing leaders do that. Not all leaders. Yeah. I mean, that's not fair. But but a lot of them no. aren't doing that. And I go, man. It's so annoying that we even have to say not all. I mean, can we stop that? <laughs> like, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, I, I get it. No, I do. I get it. I, not, not you. I no, know I get what you mean. We have. We just have. Really, we have all this wonderful communication technology, and it's just poorly used. Poorly. Agreed. In, in Agreed. the public sector, completely. I mean, it's just. I was that my meditation this morning. I. You know, something ridiculous came out of one of the news feeds yesterday, or one of the press conferences, and I went, "Oh my gosh!" I mean, this is just on all. There's no way to spin this. I mean, and so. <laughs> oh, but there is. But I so I try to take it, make jest of it at least, you know. And then you get you get um, somebody comes at you, you know. They come at you, and you go, well, okay. So how do I deal with this? I've and I've come to believe that it's like, especially with social media. I go, well. And I call them like feed hijackers. It's like, well, maybe yes. maybe trolls the right word. I don't know, but it's in, but some of these people aren't really trolling. They like have legitimate points they want to express, yeah. and they have a lot to say. And yeah. I go, look, I my my meditation this morning was, look, if you want to come into one of my signals, okay, but you have that much to say, then let's just do it here instead of there. Because right now you're hijacking my signal. Go build yeah. your own signal, and people will come to your signal to hear this stuff. But don't come into my signal. Yeah. I didn't invite you into my signal. And That's it, a good point, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, you came yeah. in here. You came into this room, and now you want everyone to listen to what you have to say. Well, you can go build your own signal to do that. You don't have to stay in. You're not going to leave that. let that keep happening, you know? And your posts are so, especially on Facebook, they're so, you know, thoughtful and like, and they're almost like journal entries. 
That's what they are. They really are. You you know, that's really what they are. Yeah. For someone to, it's not like you're just, pardon me, but shit posting. You know what I mean? (laughs) I do do the occasional shit post. (laughs) No, but I just mean like on a shit post is fine if someone hijacks it, whatever. But like on a message that you have specifically curated, you know, as Brother Oren for somebody that I totally agree to hijack that. That is opportunistic and you know yeah a little disrespectful for sure yeah i'm definitely i mean i'm definitely feeling the frustrations everybody else is feeling out there there's no doubt about it i mean i can see it in myself so what's it like i mean i i'm curious about this because i when i first moved my operation home and uh my biggest social interaction really comes through my podcast. I'm able to, you know, get the type of uh, one-on-one communication that I really thrive on. So that for me, when I moved at home, I thought, man, I'm not going to be able to do it. And I thought, well, wait a second, I'll just, I'll continue to do this and I can just treat it the way I was doing my, uh, my non-local podcast, you know, with my guests who live wherever. So I was still able to kind of feed that, that little, uh, or, or scratch that little itch I have to communicate with people like this, but you, you guys were perform performers. And so that, that whole yeah. industry has been sort of smacked pretty hard. Yeah. So how, what's that been like for y'all to so okay, this is sort of not happening right now. So we're really, really lucky in our household that aside from an outlet and the extra financial, like it, it really hasn't affected us. Um, it wasn't our main source of income. Oh uh, yeah, right, so right. I, I'm still employed, and Joseph is still employed, and so we're really lucky for that. Um, and Joseph is not hating having a break. To be honest with you, he's been a professional musician for a really long time, like 17 years. Yeah. Um, and he's not taking very many breaks of longer than a couple of weeks. So he's not hating the time to just relax, but me, it's kind of killing me a little bit for sure. Um, especially because like I said, before this happened, like I just, actually, I don't know how much, I mean, actually briefly mentioned it, but I was planning, Ashley got an Emily Porsche and I were planning, um, a big event for June 13th. That was going to be my first, show of my own it was going to be a um musical charity event wow. featuring a lot of local musicians um yeah and artists and it was it it is still going to happen it's unfortunately obviously not going to be able to happen june 13th but it, it is still going to happen but anyway i was in the middle of all that about to have my first uh big band practice and and yeah so so that I'm, just kind of got paused yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely struggling, but I, the other night I did a little karaoke session in my closet. I saw that. <laughs> yeah, I did. I saw that. With a, with a beat pill and, you know, wasn't my best quality content, but it was really fun. And I'm going to do it again because it. I think that this is a good time for me to do some uh, research on how I can put out some things on my own. I don't yeah. really play an instrument right now. I'm, I'm interested. I played some when I was younger, but um, I'd like to pick that up again when the kids get a little bit older, maybe, and I have a little bit more. Or maybe sure. now, who knows? I'll probably never have more time. But the point is, I'm, I'm trying to get creative in ways that I 
alone can express myself musically yeah. during this time that don't involve having to bug Joseph or um, it's surprisingly difficult to do music over Skype or Zoom <laughs> or I've tried with a few people and it is kind of a nightmare. I believe it that. Is. I wondered about that. I've seen some um, teachers, you know, music teachers or local ones, and I wondered how they were doing with that. So I do take voice lessons on uh, Zoom, and that is not bad because it's like direction, excuse me, and then you play. But trying to do stuff like together is very difficult because there's a lag and not everybody's internet speed is the same. It's just like, whew. Yeah, I can imagine for entertainers, this has been very difficult. I mean, really, it has. You know, for us, we work in advertising and we our typical mode of operation is to act as an extension of someone's brand you know we're like their team sure. in, team in the basement that they may not see you know but once every couple of weeks and so that right. really uh, we were able to kind of already we were already i guess socially distant physically from a lot yeah. of our clients anyway yeah. so this type of communication was pretty common wasn't really that hard for us to just distance a little further um, but the folks that are, you know, entertainers and people that really it's dependent on one-on-one engagement, I can see that being an issue. Yeah. Even like some of the video projects I've done where I've had to coordinate a couple of people through Skype and things like that and record them and have them be synced up. It's exactly, as you said, their internet speeds are different. Their audio quality is different. The camera work is different, you know, so challenging. Yeah. And it's like, we had just gotten to a place in our area where musicians were actually getting, there were enough venues and enough gigs to go around where musicians were starting to be able to like quit their jobs and pay their bills. Um, and now, you know, like we have friends that were fully musicians that like bought houses this year, you know, yeah. like bought their first house and stuff. And it's just like, uh, I don't know, you know, no. yeah, that, that, I, I know <laughs> so what you mean. I like, yeah, it, it really sucks. And I really, really, I really miss performing. I do, but I'm okay. Like when I think about how much I miss performing, I just think about how lucky I am that I have another paycheck and I just can't stop thinking about my friends that like, that's what they do. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. So. Right. I mean, some people are uh, insulated right now, you know, from some of the sufferings that other people are having to face. Not, I mean, it could be, your your choice of profession it could be where you live i mean you know right. i have i have friends in new york city and yeah. and people new york state and new york city so you know i've got two really good friends actually and one uh in new york state is having a completely different experience than my friend in new york city who lives in an apartment right. you know so it's like they're uh, dealing with stuff that is completely different than what we're dealing with here and it's just interesting. And their pers- even their perspectives within the same state are completely different. Just like I'm sure, sure people in Lake Charles are having a different experience than people in New Orleans, you know? Totally. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I've seen, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think sometimes it's easy. That's something about, you know, it gets into what we were talking about earlier. Whenever you get a perspective on something, if you don't really make a conscious effort to go out and look at it from other people's perspective, some people may never do that or see yep. why it's necessary. Yep. You know, but I mean, Until just it. 
three hours over from us, you're talking about a different experience completely. And those people have a completely different uh, perspective on this pandemic than we do here in Southwest Louisiana. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that's uh, important to do. And I'm happy. I know it. I hate to pause the program, but I want to ask you something. Did you know that you can help me and my team at Parker Brand Creative Services grow the Find the Good News signal? For less than a fancy cup of coffee, you can become an Early Risers Club patron on our Patreon page. What's Patreon? Well, it's a way for creators to fund their projects by pooling support from those really passionate people that believe in what they're doing. Do you believe in what we're doing with Find the Good News? I hope you do. We believe that there's already enough negative news in the world, even right here at home, and that good people doing good works deserve a platform to speak from too. That's why we created Find the Good News, and we believe in that simple mission. Maybe you believe in it too. If you do believe in finding and sharing good news, then head over to our Patreon page right now or check out the link in the show description. For a commitment of $3.33 a month, you can join the Early Risers Club of Find the Good News Patreon supporters and get access to the B-Sides, a patrons-only podcast with the crew behind Find the Good News, Parker Brand Creative Services. Each time we level up, the Patreon rewards will get bigger. If you're tired of old news, bad news, and fake news, help support Find the Good News at patreon.com slash news. That's patreon.com slash find the good news now back to the episode so ashley mentioned you in her episode and and she was pushing she was like you got to get her on the show right (laughs) so what's your i mean what's your higher idea of how you see yourself in this community i mean you're young right how old are you I'm 30. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. you're 30 years old. I turned 30 this last year. Yeah. You live in Lake Charles. So, you know, you've yeah. lived here your whole life. Your family has an established yeah. business here. That, that, that It's sort of a staple. Everybody knows what it is. You're in a band that everybody knows about. Um, so now you're in that position. On the other side of this uh, pandemic, what do you see for yourself? I mean, where do you see your future or your goals? What are they? I definitely obviously still would like to put my show on and I hope that it's not the first. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I know that I went through the last year of realizing that I have a place in this community, like for this time and the time after I do. Um, I just kind of like what we were talking about earlier. I don't just, whatever I can do to help Warren, like, if the effects of this are long lasting and as economically detrimental as I think they could be, people here are going to need a lot of help in a lot of different ways. Um, and I've been, you know, I, I know a lot of people I was born and raised here. I have a lot of connections with my family business through my friendships, through the band, whatever. I just, I want to help facilitate healing and growth for Lake Charles as much as I can. And I want to provide you know, love and relief in the form of entertainment and music whenever it's safe and possible. And I just, Lake Charles has, Lake Charles, 
there are a lot of times where I took like Charles for granted and a lot of times where I've taken the community for granted. But the truth is, is that this community has really allowed me to blossom. I have a lot, I've had a lot of privilege here and there are a lot of people that have just been there for me. And I, I want to give that back in any way I can. You know what I mean? Um, I just want to, I just want to be a, servant of our community in any way that I can. And I don't mean that politically, like I'm not talking about running for office or anything like that. It's just, I want people here to know that I care about them. I don't care about their affiliation. I don't whatever. Like if, if you're my neighbor and you're someone in our community and there's something I can do for you, or there's a way I can facilitate help for your situation, you know, I want to do that. Yeah. So, so I'm realizing the importance of my own backyard in this time, literally, you know, and sure. figuratively and, and, and like Charles and, and Southwest Louisiana is my backyard. And I don't know what, you know, my capabilities are. And I'm sure some people think, feel like me saying things like that are silly. Cause I'm just, you know, somebody who's in a cover band here or whatever. I'm not, it's not me taking myself too seriously. It's just like any opportunity that I have, to share some of the love and the blessings and the privilege that I have been undeservingly given, mm. I want to take it, you know? Yeah. It, the, the band was luck. Like, I was not, or I don't want to say, I was in, just literally in the right place at the right time. Like, somebody just gave me a chance. I hadn't been playing for years or, you know, trying to be in a band like I, it just happened and so you a and lot your, of situations i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you no yeah, we had no, a little no. lag and i it cut I you finished. off so i thought you were <laughs> no i was finished i really was i was just kind of like figuring out how to complete that thought well i have a question so did you and your husband mm-hmm. meet in the band or were y'all together when you no. went into the band so joseph and i have been together for a year before i joined the band um and Joseph and I had kind of like, we'd known each other for a while casually. We kind of had the same friends, but we weren't really friends. And I don't know. I just, I didn't really like it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know why. I just, um, I didn't know him. So, you know, my feeling of that was wrong. But I just, I think what it is, is kind of like we were talking about earlier. I was still in a phase where I really like needed attention. And Joseph is very out there and attention grabbing as well, obviously. And I just think, I just think I recognized something in myself that I wasn't comfortable with in him. And so I like projected onto him and didn't like him. Interesting. Okay. the, The first time that I actually had to sit down and have a conversation with him, it was like, Oh, like after the first like five minutes, he was very intense for the first five minutes. And I was like, I was right. Blah, blah, blah. And then he's, I don't remember what he said, but he said something and the conversation changed directions. And like, he just all of a sudden kind of like relaxed and became less like peacocky and more just like a person having a conversation with me. And, and, um, anyway, he, we started dating not long after that. And, um, I, traveled a lot with the band on the weekends because they would go out of town and I was already good friends with several of, of the other band members. And I've always, could, I've always could sing. Uh, I just was not ever singing, you know, like I sung in choir and I sang in church. And, um, so Joseph knew that I could sing some, but they had an emergency and one of the members of the band had to leave for, for good. And 
they they had a bunch of gigs on the books that they couldn't cancel and they didn't know what to do. So sure. they called they called Taylor Lee and they called Joseph said, Listen, I know this is like really weird, but you know our set list and like you're you're you can sing, do you think you can sing harmony on some songs for a few gigs? And I was like, uh, Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Not a problem at all. Uh, we did never we never had a practice. <laughs> Wow, you just did it, right? No, Joseph and Logan and I had a few like a a little acoustic run-throughs in their apartment because they were living together at the time. Oh, okay. Our first gig was a wedding, and it was great. And then they were like, "Okay, cool. Would you like to come do our next gig with us?" Which was like three nights at a casino somewhere in the middle of nowhere in Mississippi. And I was like, "Yeah." So (laughs) and. And that that gig was really hard. I mean, to go from like not singing at all to having to sing five hours a night, four nights in a row, it was really weird. Um, but it was awesome. And I just, I couldn't believe it the whole time. I just could not believe it. It was like, like I said earlier, I just remembered being at OB 17 years old, like watching Joseph and, and Judd and Paul and, and just wondering what it would be like to be that cool and be in that band. And then... Somehow, <laughs> a few years later, you know. Yeah. So, well, that seems so like we a could, big leap too. I mean, yeah. you said you could sing, but there's a big difference between uh, singing oh, yeah. and then performing. I mean, right? Getting up on stage. I don't. Yeah, I really did not. I mean, I've always, like I said, kind of been a character. There are a lot of one of the themes of so the, my show is okay. So my show is actually about my musical journey. It's called the road to freedom. Um, because freedom is my alter ego. And okay. Yeah. Free, like, you know, freedom, but freedom. And, oh, I got you. Okay. I get it. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So music really has just been this story throughout my whole life, but I didn't real or has played such a big part in my story, but I didn't realize, you know, how much until the last few years, like, so as a kid, I always just, you know, loved music and I would perform on my grandparents and parents' fireplace. Like that was my stage, right? They, yeah. no one in my family is musical, but we listened to a lot of music always. And Friday nights, it was my parents. It was, you know, Dwight Yoakam or, uh, okay. you know, just like whatever. They would put something on and I would, we have hours of video footage of me with those, you know, those little stacking rings oh, that go yeah. on the. Okay, so I would put them on my feet <laughs> and pretend like they were uh, tap shoes, <laughs> and uh... I would plop around in those rings on the fireplace and sing into one of those echo microphones. And I did that until I was like 13 years old. Really? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, oh, I thought you were serious. <laughs> it's, it's like, no. wow, man. <laughs> uh, music it has been the thing that and music and motherhood are the things that have really helped me just discover, you know, myself And music has played and the flamethrowers and just being able to perform has really helped me to accept myself and, and, and love myself and be proud of myself in ways that I just didn't, you know, I never imagined. Um, there was a moment for me at, after you have a baby, it's really weird because you kind of like, I know that kind of is the same for dads too. Like you, you're not the same that you were before you had the kid. Sure. 
but you're not where you're going to be. So there's this weird, like in between time where you just don't really know who this new you is. Right. Mm, sure. Sure. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, I don't know, like your house has three roommates in them and then a roommate leaves and yeah, you know, that someone else is going to fill that space, but you're not sure who it is kind of like sure. eventually. So I was really Chuck Fest last year was like only a few months after Hazel was born and we really hadn't done a lot of gigs. And for, for me to feel good about a gig that big, I need to be in a like specific place mentally. Right. And I just was not, I was so nervous about it. I was so worried and I was like really sick leading up to it. And I remember just pacing in front of the stage in the crowd, just walking back and forth, like with a hoodie on before the show, trying to kind of calm down and like get some, some of the people's energy. And it just, nothing was working. And I decided while we were changing our gear that I was just going to go set myself up and take a look at the stage just to get that part over with. And um, there had been a lot of people for the act before us. And I'd been backstage for a minute and I, I walked on stage and I set all my stuff up and I, I did, gave myself a second and I took a deep breath. And when I looked up, there was not like, there weren't even inches between people, Orin. Really? Broad Street. Ryan Street was shoulder to shoulder from the stage past broad and the stage was on division like right where all that new construction was yeah i really I mean, there's no way for me to know how to meet how many people there were there but it was more than three thousand and it was just this this calm rushed over me and there was just this moment of like all these people know that you just had a baby none of these people care none of these people care how you feel they just are here to have a good time with you and you're band family and it was just this really like and there were so many familiar faces in the crowd that I could see people that I loved and respected people I didn't know people I hadn't seen in years you know it was just this really like it was like this welcome home moment for me and this realization of it started the realization of I have a music career you know yeah. I didn't realize that I had a music career until last year and I've been in this band for seven years is it because it just settled on you and you were like, Oh, this is a real thing. This is not just, I'm not just emerging into this now. When I was little, I just always dreamed of being able to perform. And because I didn't really play a, a musical instrument and I was never in a band or actively seeking musical work, I just thought, you know what? That's just the dream of my heart. That's probably not going to be, and that's okay. And so the fact that it is somehow happened anyway is just, you know, and yeah. not just, but like in a town where my family lives and I, and I know everybody and like, I get to do it with my husband and, and with, um, you know, four other people that are like my brothers that I love and have been friends with for a long time. And it's just really, I just never have thought about it as a job because it doesn't feel like one, you know? Sure. That's not a bad and thing. So, so the moment where I realized like, cause I've been having in between um, like Bo and Hazel, I really was just feeling insecure about like, like I said, my place in Lake Charles and just my place in the world. I just felt like I didn't like, well, what is my career going to be? Cause I don't want to just be a stay at home mom. And I don't want to work at the car wash. Like I'm questioning what my career is while I'm, yeah. you know, actively <laughs> careering. Sure. And, uh, the, uh, Chuck Fest moment was just, 
it just really kind of set into motion that realization of, wow, not only do I have a career, but I have a successful career and I have a career that I could be proud of. And I have a career that I love that I want to keep doing and building upon. And that led me to the desire to create my own show and to do something for myself because I am so proud of the place that I play the, the part that I play in the flamethrowers and what we are together. But I also, you know, for a long time, I was not interested in playing music with other musicians because I felt like I wasn't good enough. And I felt like I didn't have the experience to play with people outside of my band. And you know who actually, he's not with us anymore, but Brian Moore yeah. is, did you know Brian? Yeah, you know actually, he, um, I, when we get through today, I'll send you a link. We did a tribute episode about Brian. Really? Yeah. Wonder, I can't wait to listen to it. Well, um, a few years ago, our keyboard player, Wesley, invited me to play a, a, a little gig for his mom's surprise birthday party, and we put together a small little jazz group. And Brian was one of the, the – Brian was the bass player. And um, I knew Brian, but I hadn't played with Brian, and I hadn't played with anyone else in the group except for Wesley. And the first practice was at Brian's house, and I was really nervous. And um, I was just telling Brian, like – I just, I'm, jazz is not my bag, man. I've never done anything like this before, blah, blah, blah. And Brian, Brian handed me a, a bottle of whiskey and he's, <laughs> you know, like, take a big sip of this. And I was like, okay. And he goes, and then he took one and he was like, all right, cool. So nobody here gives a shit how good you are. We're just here to have a good time. Ah, and I was like, nice. oh, okay. And he was like, yeah, so just think about that. We all like you. Nothing you're going to do is make any of us upset. Like, let's just have fun. And, right. and I was like, Okay, and it just um, that group was so much fun, and I, I had a great time with them. And I, I know everybody misses Brian terribly, but anyway, I've reached a point now where I don't. I'm still, you know, obviously unsure because I haven't played with a lot of musicians other than the Flamethrowers. But I know I'm confident in myself and my abilities now, and I would like to start, you know, reaching out and doing more projects and working with other people. And yeah, the music is such a collaborating with people artistically is such a you know, it's cool. It's fun. It's great. And I, I'm feeling, I'm wanting to do that. Yeah. Well, you're wanting to continue on that career path. I mean, that career path, it's going to allow you to connect with the community, to do good for the community. I I relate to that. I understand. I mean, I'm not, not musically, but I get it. I mean, you want to be able to use what you're good at to help other people. I mean, there's that's in your community. I mean, you know, like I said earlier, it's like, I'm not trying to take myself too seriously i don't have any like you know grandiose delusions i just know that hell even if one person is interested in my voice and listens to me like i want to do my best for them you know absolutely yeah i mean that's ultimately what i have to remind myself of that all the time especially when i'm in a a conversation where it's starting to uh, maybe even devolve I have to remind myself sometimes that it's okay. I don't have to, there's no winning. I don't have to win this conversation. I'm just some guy, you know? So ultimately I'm kind of glad I'm just some guy because I can always just go, well, you know, I'm just some guy. I mean, all I have is thoughts, you know, I mean, I can't thoughts and experiences just like everybody. And and it, it brings me down. It reminds me, that I, we're all just some guy or just some gal. Ultimately, no matter who we think we are, ultimately we're just some guy or gal out there. <laughs> and I'm happy 
This episode's Fishing for Goodies Fishbowl sponsor is Brimstone Museum and Henning Cultural Center in Sulphur, Louisiana. I don't know what you look for when you travel, but one of the things I look for when I'm putting together my itinerary is a unique museum or gallery in the city I'm traveling to. I do this almost every time I go to a new city, but if I'm being honest, I'm guilty of not always doing that very thing right here at home in Sulphur, Louisiana. That's really a shame because we have one of the most interesting, historically relevant, and culturally rich corners in any city in the country about two minutes from where I'm sitting right now. I'm talking about the Brimstone Museum and Henning Cultural Center. Have you ever really thought about why our city is named Sulphur? They've got a permanent exhibit on the history of the sulphur industry that answers that simple question and more. You really get a full scope of just how important the sulphur mining industry was to the development of Southwest Louisiana and the impact it had on the rest of the world. Yes, the rest of the world. On the same property, right next door to the museum, is the Henning Cultural Center, presenting some of the most interesting, modern, and culturally relevant local art shows I've ever seen. My dear friend Tom Trahan and the Brimstone Historical Society have really worked hard to give us this treasure, and it's a multifaceted jewel that I plan to take advantage of more often. You don't have to wonder what their hours are, or how to get there, or what shows are coming up. Just go to brimstonemuseum.org, like I did, and subscribe to their mailing list right there on the homepage. That's brimstonemuseum.org. Tom will make sure you start getting the announcements for each and every new show at the gallery. But you don't have to wait for the mail to arrive to enjoy this historical local treasure. You don't have to be guilty, like me, of overlooking a local wonder that conveniently sits next to the Grove, one of the most beautiful walking parks in southwest Louisiana. Drop in and say hi to Tom for me. Tour the museum and center, and make sure to tell Tom that you heard about Brimstone Museum on Find the Good News. Now, let's take that dive in the fishbowl. So you did listen to Ashley's episode, right? You said? I, I did. Did you get to the fishbowl? The fishbowl section of her episode. Did you get to I that part? I don't remember. Okay. Is that, is that at the end? Is it, for, is it closer to the end? It is closer to the end, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, so, so... I did... I was not able to pay full attention at that point. Okay, well, then you're <laughs> about to really have a good time, hopefully. All right. Uh, so, I don't know if you can see this right here. Yeah. This okay. is the fishbowl, and uh, every guest that's been on this show, well, I don't know if I want to say every guest. Or we didn't have this in the early days. The fishbowl was born out of my my uh, my desire to ask too many questions, and I just couldn't yeah. ask them all. So I decided to put them all in this fishbowl, and we would just save them till the end of the show. And so what's what okay. we do is every guest would draw three questions out of the okay. fishbowl, and we would just talk about them. Um Love if it. I draw a question that you do not want to answer, we will draw another card. <laughs> okay. But I'm going to reach in here for you, so you're, you know, I'm going to be your proxy since we can't, since we're social distancing here. Thank you. Yeah, right. totally. Okay. Here we go. This is your first question. Okay. Could <laughs> you ever grow your own food? That's an interesting question. That's. Oh yeah, I'm working of- on it. Really? Is that something new or is that something that you've always done? No, I've not always done it. Uh, definitely not. Um, I've like, I've tried it a few times and it is, we are still trying. When I say I'm growing my own food, I mean, I have like 10 plants in the garden, you know, yeah, little, yeah. so we're, we're going to see how it goes. 
Right. So far, I've been able to keep all of my landscaping alive. Well, that's that good. I in, that I put in myself. Yeah. So working on that, and I'm keeping some house plants and some patio plants alive. So right now, I could not support myself by growing my own food, but I'm hopeful that yeah. in time, if I needed to, we would be able to. Yeah. Yeah, I could say that probably a very similar thing. Michelle and I have enough property to grow our own food mm-hmm. if we wanted to make a little homestead out of the place. But the conversation that we have all the time about it, we have the desire, but it's the time. I mean, to have yeah, a full-time job <laughs> and do that would be very difficult. We would really have to figure that out, you know. And, and we might have to. Who knows? Before it's over with, that might not become just a luxury. It might be a necessity before it's over yeah. with, you know. But yeah, so I, my neighbor, Sorry. No, go ahead. My neighbors down the street have a big property. Like, like all the lots on our side of the street, most of them are the same. So we have a bunch of almost half-acre lots on our side of the street. And about five houses down, there's a family that has a garden in the front and in the back. I mean, it is just... He does landscaping, so they know what's up, and they are, like, always, always in it. Always. Yeah. <laughs> so it's super cool, and it's, like, totally possible if you, you know, you have a, a space to do it. I mean, they like I said, they do it in the front yard, too. Like, they have utilized all of their their space. All so of it, yeah. They, help, they home cool, and they have five kids, so their kids help them, too. Like, they're, they've got the time to do it. Yeah. Um, well, I don't think... Once we are not quarantined, I will not have the time to fully run over in a garden. Yeah. But, well, and, and a workable homestead is a really different thing. I mean, Michelle and I have talked about that yeah. quite a bit. You know, I said, I'm, I'm highly interested in it, and I'm always looking for information about it. And I mean, really for a long time, but it's just having the opportunity. It's a real, I think, like homeschooling, homesteading or micro homesteading, whatever the right term is, is a commitment. I mean, you have to say, Oh, "Oh, I'm doing this, you know, and make some major changes. Yeah. It's a little farm. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I grew up, you know, I spent a lot of time at my grandmother's house and, you know, back in the very, very late seventies, early eighties, I would, I would say that was what that environment was like. You know, it was, uh, most everything you ate, was produced right there on that property, yeah. you know, and uh, even soap and things like that were made there. But I was very young, and so I was telling Michelle this. We were reminiscing, and I said, "Yeah, I said our our generation was sort of insulated against that because it really fades out for me around five, six, seven yeah. years old, and then that wasn't really passed on to my parents, so they didn't do the homesteading thing." And then you know me, I it's almost like you'd have to really make I'd have to make a conscious effort to. To do that, it did take some yeah. critic, critical, critical decisions. Would not have to change some major things. It would probably you could probably manage it seasonally. You know what I mean? Like, kind of like they used to, like you have your your busy season, but still, I don't know that you would be able. It would be hard to have a job outside of your home. Exactly, your home is your job. It is yeah, full time. It's full time, and that's, that's right. another thing that's so exhausting about this right now is just like the chore, the chore wheel. Yeah. Feeding, preparing food for yep. everyone, feeding everyone, then cleaning up after one, everyone, yep. then cleaning up after the cooking. Then you start again, you yep. know? I so, agree. No, same yeah. thing. It's, uh, you know, it's even like, it's funny, the toilet paper thing. I think it was interesting <laughs> how that was something that was just 
sought after so much. But what was very strange, I, I read an article and I thought, yeah, that's that makes sense. Why would, there's a shortage still was because, you know, they were saying 70 percent of the time people weren't in their homes. They were using toilet paper at the place they worked or at the schools. And now you're home, you know, all the time. So all this usage went up. So I was like, yeah, I guess that makes some sense. That does make sense. I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah. I mean, I think it was probably still people. Yeah, well, sure. The the hoarding was real for sure. That makes me feel better about it. Yeah, it did. It did make sense as to why when you go to the store now, even you're, you don't see anywhere near the stock, you know, that we did. Diapers for diapers and formula too. That would make some sense because of like daycares and things as well. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there were things like that that I thought, okay, well, that's probably a part of at least why it's not being replenished like it was. Definitely. Well, I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, me either. I was an interesting article. I was like, well, that, that gives me a little perspective. Oh, this is a really good question, your second question. Oh, so, good. Uh, wow, I don't even know how I would answer this. I'd love to answer it myself. <laughs> so, okay, this is good. We can take turns. I'm going to have to meditate on this one even after we get off of our call today. So what is the simplest truth you can express in words? Man, that's some heavy stuff. I can express in words. Yeah, like, like, like what's true? Like that's a very interesting thing. We talk about this a lot in our family. And we kind of take the Obi-Wan Kenobi approach here. You know, that uh, most of the things we cling to are only true from a certain perspective. But but there are things that each person, I think, if you really get down to it, probably something you go, oh, for me, this is a truth. This is a a deep truth. Music. Music. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it is like. Even Bo, Bo is, my son is two and a half and he like, he likes to make up songs all the time, you know, but even those silly little songs are like a true expression of who he is and how he's feeling, you know? Um, and, and one of the cool things about music and lyrics and stuff is like, you don't have to write a song for it to share your message, you know? Mm. Um, like it's, it's about, there are just so many different ways that you can ex- express truth about yourself and, and, uh, life and everything through yeah. music, I think. And, and you don't even have to have words to do it, you know, like yeah. there's, there's this, my, one of my favorite guitar solo of all time is, um, Fleetwood Mac Silver Spring and the instrumental break, Lindsey Buckingham's, uh, instrumental solo. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Well, if you don't, you should check it out. The way he plays the guitar and that instrumental solo, like, Every time I hear it, it makes me cry. It feels like he has just reached out of whatever I'm listening to into into my heart and is just playing my heartstrings, you know? Like, there's yeah. just this vibration with... And it's that's incredible to me because it's like, okay, Lindsey Buckingham recorded that forever ago somewhere on a, you know, recording device, and then it's been sent out across the airwaves and through computer speakers and whatever many times since then and no matter where I hear it, no matter what I hear it from, it always uh, gives me the same reaction. So yeah, yeah. for me, yeah. Yeah. 
it's we talk about that a lot i mean maybe not music necessarily but we do talk about uh sound in our home quite a bit in fact we were talking about it last night you know that and i'm sure you've seen these videos that have been out there um they've, they've kind of made the circulation where people will apply certain sound frequencies to water or sand yeah, and they make yeah. these patterns and you know, if you if you if you can look at that and say, "Oh, that's true," right? Here's a physical representation of a sound. I can't see it, but this is the pattern it makes. Then, yeah. by that logic, then every sound makes a pattern, and there there that kind of gets into what I would consider my personal truth. If I get too totally. far off, but that pattern every time I speak, the tone with yeah. which I speak whether it's softly or loudly, I'm making these beautiful pieces of art that you can't see. And, and you're walking through, if you can hear, you're walking through this all the time. Yeah. That's incredible. And so to yeah, string totally. music together, this timeless thing, and it hits different people a certain way. I mean, it's, there's so much to it beyond just what we think we are experiencing. You could say then almost that we kind of have the same truth in our voices. You know what I mean? Because yeah. for me, my music is my voice. So. Yeah. And to be able to produce that with your vocal cords, how beautiful is that? It's really cool. And I've been taking voice lessons for the last six months. And my vocal coach is amazing. I, I found him on Google. Like, I, it, it was a shot in the dark. And it was one of the best moves I've ever made. And it's been so cool to learn about my, my instrument and like just um, learning about how my voice can carry energy, you mm, know, yeah. like you said, it does. It could, it carries energy. Yeah. And I, I've been learning a lot in the last few months and even I've been able to practice just personally singing a lot around my house. And I just, yeah, I can't, I really just can't, I can't wait to be able to share my, truth with people in person, you know? Yeah. Speaking of that, it reminds me of one of my favorite things to listen to. And I think my, my family kind of halfway chuckles because it's not their favorite thing to listen to, <laughs> but uh, I love listening to Tuva, Tuvan, uh, you know, throat singing, you know what I'm talking yes. about? Okay. Yes. You know, and it's got the, you have some, well, you have some recommendations you know, like, for me. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, li- I, too. I, I would love some recs on stuff like that. Well, I love that stuff, and that I listen to it mainly fascinated by the fact that that is just someone's throat producing Boy, these sounds, wild. and these sounds hit you in different ways. You know, they're meditative, and it just fascinates me what we can do as human beings if we apply ourselves in that way with our just with our bodies. Have you ever seen any videos of the like? I think they call it chord singing or whatever. It's like um, they used to do it, or they do it in some churches, not so much anymore, but. Everybody sings together and they, uh, I'll have, I cannot remember what it's called. I'll Google it and I'll, I'll send it to you. Okay. But, um, there's an example of it in a movie with Tom Hardy and, um, Tom Hardy and they're like some outlaw dudes somewhat. In oh, some is it the, the prohibition oh, era? Show? Yeah. Yeah. And there's a church scene and there's a scene of them doing whatever this type of singing is called. That's not the best example. There are some really, really cool um, recordings and videos of people. I, would, do. I cannot remember what I it's called. I would definitely like to see that, though, if you can send me some of I'll, that. Yeah, I'll ask Joseph what it's called because he knows what it's called, and I'll, I'll tell you. 
and you can check it out. It's a very different vibe than the throat singing, but it is, it's, it's the kind of that same, you feel it in your chest. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. I yeah. used to tell people, I, I, I know this sounds silly, but those old vacuum cleaners that we had when I was a kid, they had like the big metal base and the big bag. When you, when I would vacuum or my mom would vacuum, it was so relaxing. And when I first got into meditation and started doing uh, Tibetan chanting, it very quickly, it hit me. I was like, oh, that's the same. It's the vacuum cleaner vibration. It's vacuum. like somewhere for me, and maybe it's different for everybody. I have to assume it is. Mm -hmm. That resonates with my energy yeah. spot that just sort of opens me up to the right things, you know, that that particular totally. vibration, you know. So for me, it's the car wash tunnel. Oh, I believe that. Yeah, right on. <laughs> it so is. Um, like that whooshing, the whooshing, yeah. that's a white noise, like a white machine. Yeah. Uh huh. That would, uh, that sounds relaxing for sure. I could see that or, being like yeah, just sitting in a car. If you could just put that on loop, cause you're in sort of a cocoon the new, then, you know? This is not an ad, but the new McNeese tunnel, the tunnel on McNeese, it's so, it's different. It's our newest. It's different than the other ones. And the way I wish that I could just, I wish I could just ride through a car and sleep in there like all day long. Cause it's just so, <laughs> it sounds so good. It sounds so I good. Hear you. I hear you. I never thought I of that, but I can imagine I that. It. Yeah. Now Bell I gotta go. It. I'm going to have to go it's take a ride through it. I, I didn't even, I haven't been to Lake Charles in, in a while. So I'll have to go do that. My truck needs a wash so bad. Well, your last question is definitely not like your first one. So I'm going to read it to you and you can, maybe you'll, maybe this will pop something in your head. Maybe you have one of these. So what is your favorite all time selfie and what was going on in that picture? My favorite all time selfie. Oh, or maybe it doesn't have to be a selfie. Maybe it's just a picture that you like. Um, <laughs> All right, so I'll tell you about my one of my favorite pictures. Um, oh, okay, sorry. Um, man, I have a lot of favorite pictures, and really most of them involve my children or like they're they're coming into this world. One of my favorite pictures that I have is from Hazel's birth. Um, two of them. One of them is my. Um, we were going from one room to the other a few minutes before Hazel was born out of the hospital. They had the room with the bathtub open up and that was my request. And this was like 15 minutes before she was born. I know you've never been in labor and, but you have had children. So you know what's up. Yeah, sure. One thing, let me just tell you 15 minutes before a baby is born. is a fairly, probably a fairly intense time for the mom. And I had a natural delivery. So, um, Anyway, we were moving from one room to the next and I had a contraction and one of my very best friends was there and she was helping. And there's a photo of she's giving me a hug in the front. I'm, I'm I like supporting myself on her, holding her. And Joseph is hugging me from the back. And it's just this like beautiful picture of my labor support team and just how wonderful and present. And there they were for me. And the nurse who delivered, who was there actually, she's standing in the doorway, like not out of frame, but you can just see her. And, um, she's just smiling and looking at us. She's the nurse that delivered me whenever I was born. And she was on staff the day that Hazel was born. Oh, really? And, yeah. Her whole 
that she, what I wanted, I wanted a home birth and Joseph was not ready for that. And that was okay. So we made some concessions and a plan to make a hospital birth similar to a home birth for me. And my nurse was amazing. She, she just completely left us alone except. So it was, it's just this really cool picture of like my birth team and, and representative of how they supported me and cared for me and made me feel empowered. And the next favorite photo is the one of uh, Joseph caught Hazel. The doctor was not there. <laughs> oh, really? Too early. Wow. Yeah. So there is a photo of Joseph and I like holding our, our newborn child with just this look on our faces of like, oh, my God, I can't believe that we just did this. Um, yeah. And that was one of my other favorite photos because it was just such a cool, empowering moment that w- unintentionally we, we did together, you know. So, I love yeah. that. I love that because there's stories. You know, I love the idea of stories. I love that objects have stories and pictures have stories. I mean, the word selfie almost implies, you know, I, that uh, you love it because you looked great or the lighting was good or there was something in the background. There's there's maybe not as much of a story. It's about the self really, really hyper focused on the appearance. But what you gave those two examples, there's a story. There's a meaning to it. I love that. I just can't remember. Um, I can't remember exactly how I was feeling when I look at both of those pictures. <laughs> especially the picture of like my friend and Joseph. It just, um, Oh, by the way, she has a three-year-old daughter and her three-year-old daughter was in tow and took, took the picture. Really? Yeah. Um, because my birth photographer didn't make it in time. <laughs> Wow. Well, that's cool too. So there's even more of a story there. Yeah. It's just, and it's just, or maybe the birth photographer took that one. I might be wrong, but one of the pictures that is my favorite, the daughter took and not the birth photographer because she was, she was just holding her mom's phone and was right there. So, but that's a happy baby. She really is. She's so sweet. Look, smiling. She's been, oh, you're trying to take my glasses. She has been, it's been great having her time for sure. I was yeah. really worried about having two kids being outnumbered, but I love my little crew. So how many children I you do. had? Do you have two or do you have two children? I just have two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're done, but I'm not thinking about that right now. Yeah. No, I hear you. I- yeah, I have I three, and I'm, I am done. So, but I'm I'm forty. I'll be forty six this year. So I'm done. I think I'm done. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Michelle's done too. Oldest <laughs> is twenty two, and how old's your youngest? Uh, my youngest is nine. Yeah, I have a oh, okay. I have one that'll be seventeen soon. So I've got a twenty two, seventeen, and nine. <laughs> um, so y'all have really been able to like fully enjoy the the stages of those kids yeah big gaps the the between them you right i mean it's <laughs> that's not bad that's uh, great each generation and they're all different each one of them i i you know raised by raised in the same homes but each one's different i found that fascinating you know the similarities are there but they're mostly different i'm already seeing that with my two yeah yeah for sure yeah, I think that's a beautiful thing. I mean, it makes me, you know, it gets into some of the things that I, I feel that are deep truths, you know, that when you people are, are, are individuals, I mean, I, and that kind of gets into our conversation, you know, that individualism can be beautiful or toxic. And I think it is beautiful that we're individuals. I think that there's a way to lean into that and shine and be better, you know, and then connect with the whole, uh, 
the whole dang human organism, you know, and us work together. I think that's a good thing. Well, this has been fun. I have one last question, and I'm gonna, when this all is over with, I'm going to give you one of these. Every guest gets one. It's a yellow coffee mug that oh, says, God. find the good news on it. Oh, I can't wait. But on the back of that coffee mug is a question. And okay. the question is, did anything good happen today? Yes. I've had lots of good things happen today. <laughs> Hazel says yes. But I would like for this um, this is my good thing today. Really, truly. I was looking forward to this. I, like I said before, I've pretended to be on podcasts lots of times. I've never, <laughs> I've never been asked to be on one and I always wanted to. And, um, this has been so much fun and it's been so nice to just, uh, get to talk to you and to talk about all these things. And I'm just, I'm really happy that you decided to have me on. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm excited. I was excited to talk to you, too. You know, this is a big change for me. Most of the local people I've talked to have gotten to invite them into the studio. And um, like I said, I can't hide behind the studio anymore. So I hope this was a good experience for you. And, and maybe once all this is over with, we can do a round two because I want to be able to follow up with you and see you. how you're putting yourself out in the world when this is done. Yeah, I would love to. That would be so great. Hopefully next time we talk, either maybe my show will be, it'll have happened or it'll be about to happen. Yeah. Next time we talk on the podcast, not next time we talk, I would hope you're a very nice person who has provided me with lots of wonderful things to think about. And I will definitely be at least talking to you on Facebook. Yes, I know. We definitely intersect on Facebook. Well, hope you consider me an ally and consider my show an ally. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Dominic Darbone. If you found something good in this conversation, consider helping me keep the signal strong by supporting good news at patreon.com slash find the good news. I thank you for pressing play, for listening, and for sharing good news.